Welcome to the Freedom City Church podcast, a podcast designed to help your faith thrive. We hope you enjoy today's message. Kind words. Thank you, Eddie. Just um, sort out. Old school. That's how I do it. Right. Um, Today, or this week, this week slash today, uh, this message came together in a real sort of messy sort of way. I have, this happens often for me where like I'll be sort of starting to think about it two or three weeks ago and then sort of I'll sort of get like a bit of a, oh yeah, this, yeah, that's sort of what I could speak about that, that's really cool. Uh, or, or that's interesting, that's on my heart at the moment. And so that'll tick away and I'll re-watch some podcasts and study in and sort of start getting into it and it'll sort of adapt a little bit and then it'll shift over here and then I'll get a new idea and then I'll talk to Stu about something and it'll dart over this way and then I'll talk to someone else. And dart. I, I always find that that happens. It always like molds itself right up to the last blooming minute. And, and true to form, yesterday as I'm putting this, like the last sort of, time and, and thought and study into it, uh, just to sort of make sure I'm not completely wrong, um, <clears throat> it sort of flipped again when I read, read like I got a couple of scriptures that I reread and thought, hang on, that's, <laughs> that's not quite what I thought it meant, or that's, oh gee, so <clears throat> all of that to say, uh, if, if, if I'm ever up here speaking, if I'm just having a chat to you and you're thinking, well, that's 100% correct, you're 100% wrong. Like, the, 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 the capacity that I have to be 100% correct about anything to do with the ultimateness of Christ is tiny. Like, I do not have the capacity to be correct about that. He is, God is so vast, the truth of God is so vast that I couldn't even... I couldn't even like grab the tail of it sort of thing, you know? And I think it's really helpful when we're sharing with each other. When, when Pastor Andy, when anyone's sharing with you uh, about stuff, when you're, when you're diving and trying to learn something yourself, to be really, really aware of that, that, that when we are searching for truth, we're ultimately searching for truth, but we're really only going to attain today's measure of truth or the, the depth that we can grab into that today sort of thing. So, right, all right, okay. So, yeah, that's like the big disclaimer. <laughs> Everyone signed that in their brains? Yep, that's good. Um, okay, so, 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 we're talking at, at the moment about heaven on earth. Uh, that's sort of like our theme running through right up to camp, which is going to be rad. Everyone should sign up. Um when I started thinking this through, that when this was like really initially uh, working in my brain, uh, like you know, a couple of months ago when we started thinking about this, planning this term and stuff, um, it, it triggered a whole lot of old unresolved questions in my in my head that I'd sort of just put in the basket over there and gone, okay, well, yeah, <clears throat> that's confronting. I'll leave that over there for now. Um, and and one of them for me was this. I, I've always sort of switched off or got really bored as soon as anyone started talking about tabernacles and like the when you go into the when you go back into the old testament and start talking about the way people were instructed to worship god then 
compared to the way that we get to do it now. It just seems unbelievably restrictive and mean and like all these things. Like it just didn't make any sense. I couldn't make sense of it. Still can't. But then I started learning about uh, the this amazing sort of uh, the, this amazing sort of uh, similarities and these these hyperlinks, these stories that reflect each other through right through the Bible, and especially back through Genesis, like that the creation story, the way that God started this entire lot off, um, is is reflected through a lot of the other ways that He chose to do things and the way He explains stuff. Um, so the, the tabernacle of, uh, for people was basically this tent. This tent that for for a long time the uh, the Israelites had to carry this this tent around, and there was like at the at the front and in, right inside the tent was the holy of holies. It was like a an altar, you know, like a, a table um, with some gargoyle looking dudes on it, and protecting the space. So not an idol. So it's important to know there wasn't like a statue of God in there. There was a space where where His presence, where God's presence was. Uh, and that was inside like a tent, and that was inside like a compound. And, you know, as you go out, there was a different different levels of, of holiness or whatever. And there was the high priest. There was the, like the King Pumbaa dude, just a person who who was allowed to go into that space and and see God and uh, or, or go into that space and hear from, be communicated to for everyone else sort of thing. So this is – so he – this, this guy go in, do what I'm pretending I know, do whatever it was that he did in there. God would tell him the answers for the day or something, whatever it was. Uh, and then that was, that was that. Then they'd go out and they'd tell their five people and then they'd tell their 20 people. You know, it would be communicated. That was, that was how it was done. And I always saw that as like, I never really, really sort of tracked back from there and worked out like what got us to that bit. Like what, you know, sort of understand the, the Garden of Eden thing, but, but I didn't really. And, and so that's what I've been sort of studying into a little bit. So that, that um, if you want to like just sort of basic in your head, like if you're just stick drawing that temple out. So there's like a, a courtyard and then like a tent and then like an altar in the tent and then like God, prisons of God available in on that altar, right? So uh, in Genesis... Um, through Genesis, like one, two, and three, should be a three bo- uh, three parts of the Bible you read just like as often as you possibly can find time to do. They'll they'll change. I've had more profound change through my understanding of God and people through rereading those books and then realizing what it meant to other things that I thought than anything in my life. Amazing stuff. Um, so the God's creation. So we go through a real crash course. God makes heavens, sea, land, animals, trees, it's all happening, all that stuff. He makes people, makes Adam and Eve, uh, and then he, then he shows them the garden. On, so this is still on earth, a really important note to, to put in there. So this is, this is, he's making earth, he's making this, where we are now, and he's building all this, all this, all this amazing stuff and populating the sea and all this, it makes these people. Uh, and then goes, hey, look over to the east. It's uh, literally what it says. Over in the east, look, it's Eden. It's this beautiful garden that I've given you. So up until that time, there's just land, like land to, to for forests and and grassland and you know all the stuff growing and animals running around and all that sort of stuff. And then he created this more 
the space that was more for people, like more for humans, this place where they, they could just walk with them and, and it was this restful, calm, beautiful place with fruit trees and things like all this stuff that was so much more designed for the way that he wanted a relationship with us to work, right? In, in this, this beautiful place, in this, you know, this place of beauty sort of thing. And so anyway, that happens. They're in there, they're doing their thing, enjoying the Garden of Eden. That's happening really good, all going well. And then we all know that part of the story, the snake, the apple, da-da-da. So Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden. And they get kicked out of the garden onto the land. So it's, it's uh, again, this is where that disclaimer all comes in. I wasn't there, <laughs> haven't been there since. So, but but we can we can roughly imagine that there was some kind of either like, you know, there, there must have been either like cliffs around it or wall, something around that meant that stuff that shouldn't have been in the garden, couldn't get in the garden, animals and stuff like that, or, or something like that. So the, what we see from the reference to the tabernacle though is, is that the garden had a boundary. There was an edge. There was an end of the garden sort of thing. So if we can imagine that as a circle in the middle, okay, a little spot in the middle, in the garden. So they, Adam and Eve... Uh, went through the fall, they, they get booted out of the garden. So they're still on the planet. They're still, on the, they're still in the space that God created. They're still in his creation. But they've, they've had to leave the place that was designed for their connection with God. They've had to leave that. So they're still there. They're still, arguably, I don't know this either, arguably they probably still know where Eden is. Quite likely, quite likely it was like, oh man, it's just over that rise. Man, I wish I was still in Eden. I, I don't know that, that's speculative, but, you know, it sort of stands to some reason. But anyway, so they're, they're now just doing life, but without that direct connection with God. And, and, and God, give, God gives them in the next, over the next bit of time, there's some other stuff that happens that's a bit above my pay grade. But um, the, the tabernacle, the high priest sort of system is is brought in God or you know God brings that in sort of thing so he still wants his he still loves his all his all his children so he still wants connection and he's like and he you know so there's this high priest and God can come to that guy and still still guide and still make things happen and all that sort of stuff um and I'm confused about that because I'm I'm confused because if you know God's presence is everywhere at all you know all, all all the time why couldn't they just, but I, I don't understand that, and that's okay. Like, that's something I don't understand, <laughs> amongst many, many more things. So anyway, yeah, he, so then we go through a bit, jump a bit further forwards, and then uh, Cain and Abel, Cain kills Abel, and so then it says that darkness fell on the land, or, you know, the, the land, so the rest of, so we'd, we'd been kicked out of the garden and given the rest of it, and then we still screwed up the rest of it. So we, the rest of it got even worse. So, that, so we've, we've fallen another peg down from, not, so not from all sorts of other things, but from our ability to connect with God, our ability to have intimacy with God. We keep moving away from, from that. That's the, the thing that's missing that, and, and gets further missing, missing further away, whatever. Um, so then... Uh, and a really interesting like story to go and read about and, and study into is Melchizedek. Um, he's a real interesting character, not very unknown. There's been a couple of real interesting books written on who they think he probably was and that, but he's just this unknown king um, that 
Isaac. Isaac is going through... Mm, sorry. Anyway, when you go home and obviously today cancel lunch and read all about Melchizedek, um, you'll find out. But so, so the, I think it was Isaac, but it was this guy who was travelling through you know, travelling along and with his whole big army and all his people and stuff. And, uh, no, so Abraham. It was Abraham. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Abraham's cruising through, you know, a father of many. He's got all this, got this massive big, big, ar- you know, big army of tribe of, of his family and all this stuff. And they used to literally travel with thousands of people and goats and cattle and, you know, like the whole thing would be moving along the place. And he gets to Melchizedek's... Um, kingdom or place that he's the he's in charge of uh and it doesn't say that much except that Melchizedek like welcomed them and made this massive feast for the for his whole army and his whole family like for every everyone and looked after them and really lavishly treated them well really really well and uh and Abraham was just super super grateful and that's actually the first time the 10 percent things mentioned the tithing. So he, uh, Abraham gave him 10% of everything he had to Melchizedek. And then, anyway, then that's the last thing you ever hear of Melchizedek. But, but Melchizedek was this, the start of this idea, the start of this idea of, of where a way to reconnect up. So the thing like it had been cancelled down, we'd be pushed out and out and out and out and out. And then Melchizedek came in, and there's this weird, there's this weird sort of, um, there's a weird way that he communicates with Abraham that's not a not common. It doesn't make much sense, but it seems like Melchizedek knows something. You know, you're like, how did he think of that? Why, why was he that nice to that guy? You know, it was just this odd, this odd response to a to a a guy with a way bigger army and way bigger resources than him. It's a really weird response up until then to feed him. And to look after him and stuff, and then see him on his way. So it's this—it's this weird little pivotal moment that I don't—I don't even know. The couple of books that I looked and skimmed through sort of suggest that that's where we start to wonder about who's going to be this priest, who's going to—who's going to be connecting us with God now, sort of thing. But that's—that's that's a good—that's a good search if you want to go and have no answers. Um, it's a real interesting one, um, but so anyway, so the so that happens, and and this is common now. Like but the, these big tribes and big families are, are just people are growing and going out into the into the world, and you know, populating the world and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then uh, then along comes this dude Jesus, like this this guy that we haven't, you know, they've been promised this, you know, the Israelites have been promised this guy and this this priest, this high priest that had that had saved them sort of thing. And what they'd known up until then was these priests that were like ordained by, you know, like just basically appointed uh, by the Israelites and that that high priest would be the guy that goes into the tabernacle and does the thing and comes out and tells people what to do and, you know, rinse and repeat sort of thing. Uh, And that was what it was. That was what a high priest did. That was their job description, you know. And, And from their perspective... There was this Jesus guy going to turn up one day, this or this this high priest one day that had saved them from oppression and saved them from these from from all this other stuff. But not uh, he didn't like it didn't say he was going to save them from the high priests. Like that wasn't what they were expecting. Something they were they were expecting to be saved with you know some dude with a big cool sword or something like that. You know more like a he-man or something like that. Um, and so then Jesus turns up, and starts doing his thing, and and Jesus is going round 
like just any day of the week and whatever he like whatever he likes like healing dudes and like and and forgiving people of their of their trespasses and sins and stuff and just doing all the stuff that was just straight up the job description only of the high priest like that was just that was their job that was what they did you know that was and no one else did it <laughs> no one definitely no one else did it because there was that why would anyone else do it they don't have a connection with god they don't have that that like like God can't say oh yeah that guy's all good you can you can forgive that guy they've never heard from God except through this high priest guy some some old dude in a robe you know and so effectively that's what Jesus was crucified for is 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 pretending in their view pretending to be the the high priest and the high priest which I can't remember his name right now but um the main high priest that did the that uh, sentenced him, you know, like he was taken up against the judge in those days was the priest as well, and and he was the one that sentenced him to death, you know, and so then Jesus is crucified, we all know that story, and rose again, and salvation, and now we're, now we live in, now we live in the, this end of, of that thing, and so up until that moment of salvation, that's been a, a difficult thing for me to understand, it doesn't make much sense to my life like it doesn't relate I can't relate to that I can't relate to needing to seek someone out to to find God it doesn't like it's a hard concept to come around because I've been told I've been brought up in Pentecostal sort of style church my whole life so especially in that kind of church you've been told that you know all these fl- lovely flowery songs that God's everywhere and you're just covered in love and you know even at the bottom of the ocean you'll be loving Jesus even though you'd be drowning but you'd be no you'll be there loving you you know like this real sort of candy coated um, God is always with you sort of thing which I love the fact that that's true um, but it doesn't help understand this this massive massive space of time where it wasn't true it wasn't people's experience um, and it wasn't what people expected even you know I find that weird to think of think of going through my life not expecting God to be with me that's a real strange thing for me too like it's it's become so sick in nature to expect this this experience to be here to be happening it's like it doesn't it becomes probably less special to me if I'm if I'm honest so Anyway, I'm just going to make sure I haven't missed real chunky big stuff. Uh, yeah, so so Jesus doing all that stuff outside of the the standard patriarchy high priesthood thing was just super controversial, and it messed everything up. It messed up how the like the Romans had like learned to deal with the Jews because of how they like they've got an order. So they got okay, right? Well, we don't agree with it, like, but we know what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. So we'll just, blimmin', you know, we can work some stuff out. So, you know, they're, they're always finding it, but there was order to it so they could deal with it. And then this Jesus guy comes and screws it up for them as well. They're like, what is going on? This guy's doing all sorts of weird stuff. And like, it was, it was just this massive transformation of, of uh, our understanding of where God is and what his intention is for us, sort of thing. Um, and then we get into from from there that ta- so that tabernacle, that tabernacle picture and that picture of Eden. Uh, the the tricky thing is the thing that I'm still trying to get my head around probably for the rest of my life is that there's a there's an image of that that's now, that 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 transposes to now. So there's a space 
there's a space that's sacred now. There's a space that's, that's set apart. There's a space that's set apart to, for that, for that uh, intimacy with God. And, um, and I wish that would be cool if I had an answer to that. Um, <laughs> don't have an answer for that. Uh, I, 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 find, uh, I find myself wanting to experience God more. And I find myself wanting to know more so that I can experience more and I want I want to meet more people and hear more stories and that so I can get get closer to God and learn more about uh, more about God um, but then when I when I read about Jesus and the way that he spoke about where we are I I have to realize that we are in the place that heaven is we like heaven heaven is on earth Heaven is, heaven is, like, how can, like, where we have one-on-one communication. We've got God is all around us. We've got the Holy Spirit there for us the whole time. So if, if we're here and he's here, what else are we waiting for? What is it, what is this other thing that, that, that is to, to come, to come sort of thing? Uh, and, and there's, there's things that are to come. There's stuff like there's the end of the world as we know it and this thing that happens. But if I tried to start telling you what that was, I would be lying because I do not know what that means. But what I do know is that God is here now in his fullness. And in fullness, it's, it's, it's very clear that he's here all of... <laughs> We have, we, have, we have unadulterated full access, you know, unrestricted access. Uh, so, so that tells me that the way that we have uh, ended up living or the way that we've ended up uh, thinking or the way that, that we've ended up shaping what we do and who we trust and who we follow and how much stuff we listen to on YouTube compared to how much stuff we listen to in the Bible or how many good people we put in our, in our lives as role models instead of... Insta bloody celebrities or whatever, it tells me that something in there is is taking the place of the access that we've got to just direct straight up being influenced and 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 helped by God just straight by just just like that. Our our experience uh, our experience I'm going to call it our experience of God just for one of a better way of putting it. It's that's too small a way of putting it. I know. Um, but I tried a few different ways of putting that together. It just didn't give it, do it justice anyway. So I'm going to compare everything that we could have with God and put that into the context of just our experience of God could be, dot, dot, dot. Uh, when, we, when we're like uh, first starting to go to church or we're in our initial sort of uh, experience of religion or organized, organized uh, faith sort of thing, uh, our experience, our understanding of our experience of God, we think is really, really low. Um, but God has been everywhere with us, around us, influencing everything, created everything, our whole entire existence. So we're, we, we, we squish our understanding of what our experience is down to what we do in church or what we do while we're worshiping, or what we do, and we, we make it way smaller than what it what it is. Um, as a 
weird little uh, metaphor example. Today, the coffee, the coffee that I had on today uh, is a really special coffee, uh, really expensive coffee. Uh, it's made by this guy, Martin. Uh, he's the farmer. It's from Costa Rica, San, San Jose. Um, it's, a, it's what they call in coffee a micro lot. So if, they, if a farm has a certain little area, normally under 100 trees, 100 coffee bushes, um, that is just ultra-performing. Like just every year, it's all the same coffee bean on the whole farm, say, but this like one little part of a ridge or something, there's just something in the soil and the air that flows past it, or there's just something about it that makes those beans just top, top, top. You know, it's the best on the farm. So then what they do is they isolate that area off and pick it separately and treat it a little bit uh, a little bit differently. And then, so that's where we get the, the micro lots in coffee. So this is a micro lot. So he might only, he might only pick uh, maybe 200 or 300 kilos a year, or if some, some places can get two halves, but so maybe only two, two or 300 kilos a year out of this little micro lot, uh, which, so by the time you go through all the washing and processing and da -da -da -da, that, that comes down to probably only 100 kilos of green bean, uh, which then transfers into, well, by the time it gets to your cup, you've wasted about 20% of that as well. So it only probably, a micro lot typically would probably only produce 80 or, 80 or 100 kilos of actual coffee to grind into a cup. Um, and you think about, hey, this guy's worked really hard over in Costa Rica and that's been processed and moved and shipped and packaged and roasted and shipped and <laughs> packaged and sent and then baristed and put into a cup for, for us today. Uh, that's a... That's a lot, that's a lot better experience. Like, hugely, it's a, it's, it's a thousand times better experience than if you went down to Macca's and got a flat white, okay? I think, even if you don't like coffee, we all understand the metaphor that we're putting together here sort of thing. Um, the, but the difference in experience doesn't matter at all unless you understand the vastness of the experience. So, like, until right now, even uh, Stu and Andy did comment, oh, this is good today, this is real nice today. So, a few of you might have gone, huh, this isn't too bad, this is a bit different sort of thing. But now you, now you know Martin, you know this guy Martin, you've, you've heard the story, you've heard the depth of this experience. So, it's increased your, your, your awareness or your, your uh, uh, reactions and your, it's, it's, it's deepened your experience. So the the lesson, I suppose, the way the what I'm trying to put together today is that is that uh, the experience of God is 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 effectively boundless, endless, depthless, like it's it's just forever. And our experience of that though is only as deep or as wide or as as vivid or as imaginative as we'll go as we'll be willing to go. So our experience, like when we talk about heaven on earth, our experience of that will only ever be as, as, as far as we will go with that experience. It'll, it will never be limited by God's, God's depth or God's, God's miss. <laughs> miss. All of the other words that have miss. All of those things. Um, I, 
I love I love depth of experience. My it's like a probably I don't really have like a hobby hobby. I just have lots of things that I go really deep into. It's sort of sort of somewhat my thing. Um, if anyway, if you if you went on a tour through my house and sheds, you'd find you'd find like forty full time hobbies in multiple stages of of experience, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, I, I have always, I've always been someone that really seek, seek the depth of, of something. Uh, and and I, th- I, uh, I like that about me. Like it's something I celebrate about me. It's something that's, that's cool. But it's also something that is, uh, is, has the ability to be really destructive uh, in the respect that. So I've got so much, so much money tied up in projects I can't do. So, so much other, I've spread my interest so far, so thin, that I can't do, give justice to lots of them. Some of them have been there for four or five, I've been in Australia now 13 years, there's probably some that are 13 years old, in fact there was probably some that I had on my backpack when I moved here, sort of thing, there's, there's, and, I, and I possibly haven't touched since, you know, um, I've, I've travelled heaps to learn about coffee. I've done courses all over the world on, on coffee and stuff, and it's one of my real passions, but, uh, but I still have, have all these other things that, I, that are still passions, and I want to go deeper. Oh, I really want to learn about that thing, or whatever it is uh, that stopped me going even further into this. I've had some amazing opportunities uh, that I have turned down in coffee that... Uh, that would have been like life-changing, life-altering, or trajectory-changing ch- anyway, um, that I've not gone into because I bought a pottery kiln, or because I, you know, or a, you know, like I, I, I'm, I'm uh, live on my own in a little house just down the road here, and I got into uh, baking sourdoughs, you know, having a starter and making bread. If you know anything about, if you've ever tried making bread, you know, you can't make a little bit of bread. You're like you, the minimum is like one massive loaf like this. I eat a, I eat that much bread in like two weeks, but to keep a starter alive, you've got to basically make a loaf of bread every two days. So there was about like eight months where I had at least at any given time like five or six loaves of sourdough in my kitchen in a pile, and anyone that came anywhere near my house had to take like bread home. You know, fun like super fun. Like I don't don't like don't like. I'm not angry about that. I don't feel sorry for my ability to make bread. Um, but it took away, like for anywhere you put your focus, it takes your focus away from something else. You can't, you can't have dual focus. Or actually, I hope not. That would be a weird eye thing, right? But um, you, can't, like, you can't put all your real strong focus into lots of things. It just waters down the, uh, your, your ability to really... Uh, remember it, or think about it, or like experience it, or whatever, wherever it is. Uh, and I, I've, I'm, I'm realizing slowly that that's that's probably my biggest hurdle with experiencing and uh, experiencing God and loving God more and learning more about God and and be and just being with God more is my tendency to want to experience lots of different things all the time, where where if I slowed it all down a little bit, if I just slowed down a bit and and concentrated on and just really focused in on like this tabernacle space, you you, know, you walk, you pull the curtain back, and you walk in.
and as you walk in the curtain closes, you know, the curtain closes behind you and you're in a different place. You know, you you walk into the presence of God. You walk you walk towards God and then you just whatever's whatever happens in there, you know, like I'd I'd like to probably I'll, I'll end really shortly anyway, but um I'd like to uh probably put out a suggestion slash challenge, I suppose. And this is uh the the one that I came up with for myself a couple of weeks ago as I was thinking this through. Um, I want to find more time to just walk in and sit with God and experience God and stay and stay in that space and, and find ways to make that a priority in my day, in my week, um, because it's there for us. It's sitting there... God's presence is there the whole time. And and the amount of time that I spend focusing on anything else is is uh, disappointing. So, yeah, I think I'll just like to pray if that's all right. Um, and this is, a re- this is a great area of discussion to chat with your mates and stuff because it's, it's like a, it's a, just an easy truth, I think. I think everyone knows that God wants to be more in our lives. And everyone knows that we want God more in our lives. But it's that transition over to making that space, making that time, programming that into your day, walking through those curtains and and stopping. So, Father, thank you that, that throughout all of time you've made a way uh, to be in our lives, even though the some of the ways we look back and and get confused and just don't understand why, uh, but God, we we thank you that you did make a way. You always did, and that your plan was always for connection and for reconnection. And Lord, I sp- I, I thank you that uh, that as a as a group of people here today, that we will. Uh, We'll stop more often and and enter your presence intentionally. That we would stop more often and intentionally experience you and sit and listen and wait and just just enjoy the depths of your of your being, of your of your presence. And Lord I pray that you would help us to find creative ways that that works as well. Find new spaces, find interesting ways to to experience and and uh, and learn and and hone off you uh, in our day, in our busy schedules, and our in our anxieties, and our in our in our loves, and our in our in our hardness, you know, in our struggles that you would still help us to find find you, find your glorious presence, find your your peace and your your stillness, Father God, your guidance, your hand. And uh well we just thank you so much. Thank you that you've you've made sure that there's a way that that for all of us, every single individual person, that there's a way. We thank you so much. Amen. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom City Podcast. If there is any way that we can help you survive and thrive in your everyday life, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd want to know more about who we are, just head to www.freedomcityfremantle.com. Until next time, take care.